Hello all and welcome back to Gleeman Radio's Return to the Wheel of Time podcast. We're on episode 20 today, people. Uh, today we'll be covering chapter 19, Shadows Waiting. In this chapter, Matt decides it'll be fun to explore Shadar Logoth, because I mean, what's the worst that can happen? Uh, special thanks to Child Claver for becoming our first ever Patreon. Your support is so appreciated, and let's be honest, no one thought I'd be saying that about a white cloak. But hey, if a white cloak tosses you a few coins, and uh, especially if that white cloak's a questioner, you just knuckle your forehead, keep your head down, and you get to work. Period. Balsamon, you're up. Yeah, okay. This is a spoiler warning, you insignificant worms. So take heed, for this is Baalzaman, Heart of the Dark, the creator of this procrastination content. Gleeman Tom has read the series cover to cover, book to book. So, if you've read to read the whole series through and listen on anyways, well, who's to blame, listener? Not I. Who went and ruined the greatest fantasy series ever? Not I. All right. Well done, Betrayer. Single take? Wait, did you say procrastination content? Hmm, I can't recall. By the way, why are you so surprised I did a good job this time? I am nameless. This sort of thing is nothing for me if I focus only a little. Yeah, right. So you ready to move on to the recap, or do you need a minute? A lot of Shadow Spawn did die last time, so I get it if you don't really wanna... Oh, uh, really? Again? You're asking me if I can be professional here and get some work done when you spent all of your free time last week doing... What was it? Oh, I don't know. Absolutely nothing! Seriously? <laughs> yeah, okay, you kind of got me there. But you know, before now, I've really never understood what was so special about a birthday as an adult. I mean, as a kid, I get it's about celebrating growing up and another year passing, but now, I, I, until recently, I really didn't get it. Uh-huh, what exactly was that? Oh, well, birthdays as an adult mean not doing anything you don't really want to do at the moment because you're upset you're getting older. So you just take that week to throw a big pity party and, you know, do nothing you don't want to do. It's great. It's really great. I like it. I like it. <sighs> that might be the single most lazy excuse I have ever heard. God, get your life together, Gleeman. You don't even really have that much on your plate. I am the highest among the chosen. Okay, I delegate to countless shadow spawn, all right? And they're stupid as hell. And the Murdral, they're sassy. You, 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 they never stop. The moment you turn around, it's, oh, you, you are pathetic, Gleeman. You really are. Yeah, well, I'm not exactly denying it, are I? I'm not proud of it, but that's what I did. It, it really was only supposed to be a day or so, like in the front of the week. My birthday's on the 10th, but it just kept going because I just 
got so distracted. And what per se could keep you busy like this for an entire week? Seriously. Uh, well, uh, I listened to this Harry Potter podcast called Unspoiled, and I've actually made it, like, all the way up to book six right now. It's crazy. It's very good. There was one chick who's read it multiple times, and one lady who had never read it before watched the movies, so it was really fun to see them interact throughout the whole thing. Plus, I got myself a PlayStation Classic for my birthday, and also, uh, hmm... Would you mind saying this? I'm writing it down for you. Uh, piracy stick. W what's a piracy stick? Oh, yeah, when you say it, it really doesn't sound that good. But Alzaman, a piracy stick is something you should never buy. It's something you could stick into that PlayStation Classic, and it gives you like 101 extra games, but it is not, as far as I know, licensed by Sony. So it's, it's definitely not something you should buy and play. For like an entire week. Seriously, Gleeman? Are you using me as a scapegoat for your misdeeds? Wow. Wow. I mean... What? No, no. It's just... The piracy stick, it's no good. Even if it gives you a whole bunch of Final Fantasy games and Breath of Fire games and uh, Need for Speed and Gran Turismo and Tomb Raider and Legend of La Gaia. I mean, who cares about all that stuff? Or Diablo 1. It's not like I, I had all these games and only played Diablo 1 for an entire week. Yes, I did. I only played Diablo 1 for an entire week and it was crazy good. I had a great time. Listening to that podcast and then running through the dungeons, never ending, it was great great. I apologize, but it was great. Oh, well, that's great. Good for you, Gleeman. Your excuse has finally been expressed to the audience. Everybody forgives you now. We all feel better. Is that all you wanted to do here? Because uh, if you're trying to, like, cop out because you feel bad for not posting anything, this really isn't going to help. Oh no, I don't expect anyone to forgive me for that. No, I'm double dropping chapters 19 and 20 today to make up for that. All of Shatter Logoth, no waiting. Well, well, there might be a little waiting between the posting, but it's all going to be out on Monday, so. Yeah, when you're ready for the recap, uh, unless you want to skip out, it's fine. I wouldn't really want to talk about my defeat either. Okay, really? That's the second time you've tried to goad me about the Trollocs and Modral dying. Like, I'm supposed to care. Don't worry about my feelings from the last chapter, Gleeman. Those deaths were necessary and unimportant. Your heroes killed some Trollocs and a foolishly overconfident half-man. What a great loss. The dragon and his fellows struck and ran and then ran again. The casualties on our side were like drops in a bucket compared to the ocean of Shadowspawn at my disposal. Why do you think the boy girl's visions always showed us as this overwhelming shadow and the dragon and his allies are mere fallow fireflies and sparks struggling not to be devoured by the darkness? Because it is us who will win this war in the end, Gleeman. It is all inevitable. <laughs> I just... I, why, I don't know why you always have to make this thing weird. Why? The Aes Sedai and the stone-faced borderlander have done well. They've proved themselves worthy prey. I don't get that often. However, it is far from over. Your so-called Aes Sedai performed impressive feats 
for one of her generation. However, it still took all she had to kill some Trollocs and forestall the Murdral. With enough time, she will be no threat. With enough forces, she will be overcome. She even had to run to that place in order to escape from me. Oh yeah, you know, sometimes I forget you're crazy from 3,000 of years of life, you know? Hmm. Oh, you forgot to talk about Matt shouting in the old tongue, or Nynaeve trying to prove she's useful to everybody. And, hey, do you really think Matt is Aemon reborn? Because that battle cry he shouted was Aemon, the last king of Benetherans. Well, war cry. You, you forgot I was crazy. Hmm. Okay. Well, uh, he might be. Who knows? It's not like it matters. I thought this Moraine was intelligent, but taking that trickster into that place proves otherwise. Yeah, taking Matt into Shatter Logoth is not the best idea, but what else choice did she have? Who knows? It could have even been Taviran tugging to make this happen, you know? Maybe he always needed the dagger. All I know is Shatter Logoth is some good stuff. It's creepy, it's wonderful, and I love it. Wait a second, you haven't called it Shatter Logoth once. You always keep going, that place. Are you scared of Shatter Logoth? Me scared? Ridiculous. I simply cannot stand that more death. Insufferable man. Do you know that people try to compare him to me? It's all due to that time I was Hawkwing's advisor and counselor. He showed up in a similar way and quite literally helped create a new big man. Big deal. It was pure accident anyways. It was not like it was literally him. Him? Better than me? Laughable. Why don't you just get on with your damn podcast? I'm expecting a few friends here soon, and I must greet them personally. Here, chapter 19, Shadow's Waiting Clip of the Day. Let's get a move on. Uh, yeah, Balsmon, make sure you come back in a couple hours, because we have to record the Double Drop podcast, and maybe even a commercial for our Patreon. So uh, you need to come back. Yeah, yeah, whatever. Maybe I'll be back, maybe I won't. I gotta find someone to take this frustration out of. Ah. Where is my loyal hound? Huh? Maybe that's why Pot on Vein rebels so hard. But still, that damn peddler deserves it. He deserves it all! Well, you heard the betrayer. On with the show. Here's the clip of the day. You don't have a shadow. A goblet fell from Matt's hand with a crash. Mordeth nodded, and for the first time, his fleshy eyelids opened all the way. His sleek face suddenly appeared pinched and hungry. So... He stood straighter, seeming taller. It is decided. Abruptly, there was no seeming to it. Like a balloon, Mordeth swelled, distorted, head pressed against the ceiling, shoulders butting the walls, filling the end of the room, cutting off escape. Hollow-cheeked, teeth bared in a rictus snarl, he reached out with hands big enough to engulf a man's head. Suddenly, an agonized scream shivered in Rand's ears. Almost sobbing, he managed to inhale at last, just as he got the sword out of its sheath. Cautiously, he got to his feet, wondering which of his friends had given that scream. Perrin looked back at him, wide-eyed from across the room, crouched and holding his axe back as if about to chop down a tree. 
Matt peered around the side of a treasure pile, clutching a dagger snatched from the trove. Something moved in the deepest part of the shadows left by the torches, and they all jumped. It was Mordeth, clutching his knees to his chest and huddled as deep into the furthest corner as he could get. He tricked us, Matt panted. It was some kind of trick. Mordeth threw back his head and wailed. Dust sifted down as the walls trembled. You are all dead, he cried. All dead! And he leaped up, diving across the room. Brand's jaw dropped, and he almost dropped the sword as well. As Mordeth dove through the air, he stretched out and thinned, like a tendril of smoke. As thin as a finger, he struck a crack in the wall tiles and vanished into it. A last cry hung in the room as he vanished, fading slowly away after he was gone. You are all dead. Alrighty, folks. Seriously, welcome back to Gleeman Radio. This is so exciting. For those who skipped ahead, because sometimes I do these long, dumb intros, uh, we'll be doing Double Drop today. So we're going to be doing chapters 19 and 20, uh, separate videos. But yeah, so we're going to be doing all of Shatter Logoth and leaving. Uh, we're going to end up on a Bale Doman ship. It's great. It's great. I'm so excited. Um, but I gotta admit, I'm a little bit, a little bit worried. <laughs> I look at my notes here, and it says I'm on the, the bottom half of page 158 out of 206. And I'm like, shit, I took about as many pages of notes as there were in the chapters. It was crazy. Uh, so, as we get into the city of Arid Hall, that's, that's how the chapter begins, uh, we get a lot of descriptions and we get it it's big it's broken it's abandoned but it's still somehow grand right we get all these descriptions of the city long streets lined with pillars huge marble buildings fountains and towers and yeah yeah it's big and grand and even in ruins leaves quite an impression on our young two rivers folk yeah we get it Wow, I'm sorry. I get a little mad at the descriptions because they're so good and they're hard to explain in the podcast without, you know, reading directly from the novel. And I want to do that on certain, like, exchanges between characters, not, you know, what places look like. Plus, as a aspiring writer myself, I'm really bad at it, so I get jealous. <laughs> Arid Hall or the city formerly known as Arid Hall. It's very impressive. Yeah, yeah, I love it. Uh, I also love how uh, Rand is, like, kind of grumbling in the back of his head and how, and I love the phrasing here, Tom must have been laughing up his sleeve at them, all gawking at Barillon, and he's like, Moraine and Land too, but for a Gleeman to be laughing up his sleeve, that just, <laughs> I really enjoyed that. Lan uh, leads them through, and he picks a white stone building twice the size of the last inn they stayed at. And it's like, this is our campsite. This is where we're going to be. And he carries Moraine inside because she's still so damn tired from the battle with the Trollocs and Fades. Remember her awe-inspiring work? Um, and he's commanding the Two Rivers guys, like, you go hobble the horses in the room in the back. Okay, move it, farm boys. This isn't the village green. Uh, <laughs> they're just like, wow, okay. Yeah, thanks a lot. We're really tired. We only got like an hour of sleep. You know? <laughs> uh, Nynaeve and Egwene immediately dismount and follow the other two inside. Nynaeve clutching at her herbs because she's going to go help Moraine out. Uh, 
and I can't honestly tell if Tom is amused or irritated that he found himself included in the warder's command, right? So he kind of climbs slowly off his horse, knuckling his back from the long ride, and he's like, you know, I'm not, I'll am not. i do it, but I'm going to take my time about it. And when he does, he takes the reins of Moraine's horse inside and tells the Two Rivers boys to follow, which is good because they need to be taken in charge. They're not making good decisions, and they're going to make worse ones in this chapter. Oh, I cannot, I cannot believe it. Uh, so they started to walk in, and they find Nynaeve arguing with Lan. Except Lan wasn't arguing. It's just Nynaeve. <laughs> uh, I can't tell if she's trying to justify her actions in regards to the fact that she's tending to Moraine, or she's like half using it as an excuse to talk longer with Lan. I know I keep bringing that up, and it's weird, but she's goading him and poking at him and you know what I mean she's talking over Moraine's head I don't know maybe Nynaeve likes to hear herself talk but uh, it, it's, the, it's just the way she was going about it she's like yeah I don't like her but I'm going to treat her anyways because that's what wisdoms do blah 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 and that should have been it but she goes on for no reason and she's like the truth is, your herbs can't help her now, and your sword can't <laughs> help her either. Uh, no, I, I totally messed up those notes. She said, the truth is, my herbs can help her now, and your sword can't. So, like, step off, Lord of the Seven Towers. And I just... I have no clue here. I don't. Poor Lan. He was just like, I just told you to take care of your er with your herbs, wisdom, but you gotta be like that. Sure, whatever. <laughs> he just, uh, he's getting a little upset, and Moraine has to intervene and like put an end to it all. She's like, just let it go, Lan. She doesn't get it, and these just seem to be how she is. <laughs> this is what she does. So just let it go. And uh, finally, Nynaeve shows her good side for a bit here, really. I, I like it. There is much I don't know what thing is this. I mean, she wouldn't admit that later in the series because she kind of got to keep herself angry and she can't be sensible. But, like, I, I love it. Uh, she doesn't do that much anymore. Uh, she has to keep that temper up. Maureen's like, I just need to be to sleep and I'll be fine. And I got to admit, Wisdom, you're proving yourself more useful than I thought. Uh, but she doesn't really answer the Lord of the Seven Towers thing. And <laughs> Rand doesn't really hear any more of this conversation anyways, because he's like on his way through with the horses. And he follows Tom through, and Rand and Tom and parents settle into their work of, you know, unsaddling the horses, rubbing them down, you know, making sure they're fed and all that. But Matt... Matt's not doing that. Matt decides to snoop around a little bit and check out the surroundings. Uh, he first conform confirms, like, oh, yeah, this is the door to the alleyway. Uh, and they're all like, yeah, we, we can see that from standing here. And then he goes to another room, which is all dark. And he's only in there for a second before coming out, like, covered in cobwebs. Which honestly got me scratching my neck and face just thinking about it <laughs> and he's like yeah there's nothing in there <laughs> like it's a, i was like what are you doing matt i was i was actually a little impressed with our trickster here 
foolishly. I thought he was trying to be careful and check his surroundings. And I should have known better. I read this before, but it was almost like it tricked me again. It's, I'm thinking about the later Matt, not this one. It's just, and it's not until Perrin kind of gives him a nudge that he actually unsaddles his own horse. <laughs> Perrin was like, nobody's going to do it for you. <laughs> so you better come over here and get it done. <laughs> Which, yeah, especially when all of them are working on mul multiple horses and Matt's just yet to unsaddle his own. Nobody's going to help you with that, dude. <laughs> so uh, Matt gets to work. But Rand notes he looks unhappy, you know, or deep in thought. And he's like, what's wrong, dude? Are you okay? And it takes a few questions. And it takes a few, like, hey, dude, before Matt, like, what? What's going on? And he's like, oh, I was just thinking. And Perrin, Perrin keeps giving people crap. He's like, thinking? Wow. You? That's a surprise. And I'm like, jeez, dude. Why are you giving Matt so much shit? Perrin is just... Uh, I don't know what's wrong with him right now. Maybe he's a little irritable, and he's more willing to uh, poke at Matt than Rand, but, like... <laughs> and uh, there are some, I think, that think Perrin is stupid because of his whole, I'm not stupid, I think, slowly. But I personally, I think he's actually a pretty intelligent guy. Very street smart. But he's not someone that should make fun of someone for some taking some time and having some serious thought. It doesn't make sense. <laughs> he's just being such a bastard. Uh, but as it turns out, Matt was thinking about something important. So parents, step off. He was thinking about how he sprouted that old tongue earlier. He's like, you heard what she said, you know, capital she, I said I. It's like a dead man is speaking through my mouth. And I, I just, I don't like it. <laughs> I, I, I get it, man. Although, I'd still think it would be funnier if Rand was, like, you know, saying this shit. I don't know. Um, they both get memories later on of other lives. You know, Rand gets his former life, and Matt gets all those from the doorway. And I just think it's funny that they're having this conversation. Uh, Perrin laughs again. What is up with this dude today? Uh, Eamon's war cry, she said. Maybe your Eamon come back again, the way you talk about Eamon's field. I thought you'd be like a, I thought you'd like being a hero or king reborn. And Perrin just keeps poking. I don't get it. Uh, but Tom, like, he finally speaks up and he's having none of it. He's like, shut up. Don't even joke about that. This is not the conversation you should be having. It's dangerous talk. It is stupid talk because it can happen. And it's not something to be taken lightly. <laughs> yeah. In this reread, I'm starting to think Tom definitely suspects there might be some dragon at play here. Um... I believe he has read the prophecies, so maybe that's why he's, like, so quick to jump on them. Uh, plus, they did bring up all those false dragons before, so about the dream. Yeah. Yeah, Tom definitely knows. That's why he was so firm about it. I love it. Also, I like the, that Tom has to take these deep, calming breaths before he explains the difference between being reborn and the old blood. The blood boy, not a dead man. He'd heard of it before, but he just never expected to actually encounter it. 
Besides, according to the Gleeman, it's just a matter of his roots. You know, he's like, be happy. Now you know your family is old. Take it at that and feel lucky. Because some don't know much beyond that they have a father. <laughs> Except Rand, who, like, pouts internally, like, some of us can't even be sure of that much. <laughs> you know, uh, one thing I'm excited about with Patreon is that maybe one day I'd have enough to make a little bit of merch. And I know this won't hit well with everybody, but I almost want to make, like, a Jerry Springer-type show with chibi animated Wheel of Time characters, right? So you actually have Jerry Springer reading the card, you are not the father. And Rand is on his knees going, no! While Tam's like, it doesn't matter, lad. And Baalsman's on the other side of the room going, yeah! Just, I know it's ridiculous, but it came to my mind one day, and I want it. I want it so badly. <sighs> I don't know who I'd get to draw it, but I want it. <laughs> Oh, it would be great when he stops whining about this stuff. Anyways, Matt's like, I guess uh, I'll settle with that for now. And Tom's like, just focus on surviving, boy. As he pulls out his pipe and he goes, I'll focus on having a smoke. <laughs> he just walks away. Uh, and Rand tries to comfort his buddy a bit, which is dumb. He's like, don't worry, Matt. Uh, we're a, th we're, we're a trio here, alright? We're all in this together, buddy. And Matt's like, yeah, yeah. Speaking of together, have you guys realized that we are in an ancient, abandoned city? And we're not out there exploring it? I just, I just want to put it out there. <laughs> so he goes on. Yeah, there's no people to jostle them and look down their noses at them. It's not too loud. And there's still a few hours of daylight left. Like, what's the problem? <laughs> and parents like, but yeah, what about the Trollocs? And Matt's so snarky here. He's like, you gotta listen to what people say, Perrin. Trollocs are afraid to come here. We're totally safe. There's definitely no way anything bad could happen. Ever. Did you catch my sarcasm? Because, I mean, I could make it worse if you want. I <laughs> oh, yeah, but Perrin isn't done, though, right? He's like, I'd listen. This place was called Arid Hall, and it used to be an ally of Manethrin. See, I hear things. And Ram thinks the place must have been amazing. If Trollocs were still so afraid to enter it. Uh, it's like they forgot the dramatic reveal at the end of the last chapter. And Moraine's like, it's called Shatter Locust now. I uh, Perrin wants to ask Moraine. But Matt shouts him down. And then turns to Rand with a big smile, right? He's like, come on, buddy. A real city. With palaces. And no white cloaks. <laughs> uh, Rand just gives him a dirty look. But Matt got him with palaces. Uh, they look like a gleeman's tail, he thought. <laughs> yeah, they, they headed out. You know, Matt's a bad influence. But I, I, I get it at the same time. They need some them time, you know. Uh, and it's not very long. And they're not very far out. Until Matt practically breaks into a little dance. And he's like singing to himself. Free, free, I'm finally free. It's just like, 
dude, you can't feel that oppressed by the Aes Sedai, can you? Really? It's just... Mm. Pulling them along by his excitement, Matt led the group as they explored the abandoned city. They walked through the fountains with basins wide enough to hold all of Emmons Field and enters buildings at random, but usually the largest about. They traveled through empty, barren places large enough to hold the wine spring in with room to spare on all sides, but some buildings confused them. Or perhaps it was simply me saying large barren places instead of large barren palaces that, like, made it more confusing. <laughs> I don't know. Um, so, yeah, there were some they found really confusing. A building shaped like a large dome and only holding one big room inside and apparently large enough for not only the, all the people of Emmett's field, but for the whole two rivers population. That's... That's pretty big. I, I actually guessed it was like a large dance hall. From what we've learned of Wheel of Time history, Matt remembers a lot of dances for a soldier, right? Or a general or a young lord. I'm just saying, like, his memories are always related to battle, but he has just as many dances in his head. You know what I mean? I, I think it was something they did to raise spirits during the Trolloc Wars and stuff. And there was another place that was mist that mystified them it was a large walled area surrounded by benches um i would have got guessed it was a theater or possibly a place to test fighters or take the test to earn the blade master title um it was a city in the trolloc wars so like that big outside arena i always thought it was ways to entertain the the people or even the local you know lords and magistrates and all that shit but no, like, I, I, I'd really, I, like, you could think, wow, losing myself completely. You can look at something like that and tell me you couldn't imagine in a city like Manetherin, places outside where young warriors kind of sparred in public places, you know, to like say uh, the people would be like, wow, these are our warriors and they go out and fight those monsters and oh, they're pretty good. And I, it just seems like something they would do during the Trolloc Wars. And that's just what I thought when I looked at these places. But, you know, after a while, they were getting tired of finding nothing but dust and just looking at big empty buildings. And Rand and Perrin, they want to go back because they're exhausted and only got like an hour of sleep the night before. But Matt's clinging to this rare chance of freedom, and he really doesn't want to let it go. And he keeps asking if they'd like to climb the towers, or, ooh, maybe they can find some treasure. It's just... I honestly do like these scenes of the boys just having a little adventure. If it weren't for the creepiness of the pl place, you know, the city itself, or the stress from the Trollocs and what the Dark One wants from them... But other than that, when you see these scenes, or read these scenes, sorry, you can kind of get the idea of what their trips to, like, the Mountains of Mist and stuff were like back in the True Rivers. Like, just them going out and exploring, and maybe Matt was the one always leading them along, but I always kind of liked that. But it's just, there's an undercurrent of just everything's wrong, and they shouldn't be doing this right now. So otherwise, it would be so much cooler, but instead it's creepy and you're worried for your characters the whole time and you should be because that's when more death arrives i 
honestly can't figure out how the boys let themselves fall into this bullshit. First of all, the guy comes out really sketchy, right? Not to mention, the guy's name is more death. Like, just, I just, you know what? I'm just gonna, okay, I'm gonna take it easy here and let the text speak for itself. Because this is so ridiculous. And, uh, 281, shit, I have to go back a ways. Do, do, do. Okay, here it is. This is where the guy comes out. Because Matt's like, we should climb the towers at least if we're not going to look for treasure, right? And Mordeth's like, the towers are not safe. Said a man's voice behind them. Rand leapt to his feet and spun around, clutching his sword hilt, and the others were just as quick. A man stood in the shadows among the columns at the top of the stairs. He took half a step forward, raised his hand to shield his eyes, and stepped back again. Forgive me, he said smoothly. I have been quite long time in the dark inside. My eyes are not yet used to the light. That is not sketchy, really. They're just gonna, they're just gonna keep talking to the guy. It's just... It's just so bad. And they're like, who are you? And he's like, I'm a treasure hunter. I am more death. He comes up with the live treasure hunter, but uses his real name. Maybe because he can't help himself. Because all of characters like Mordeth and Baal Zaman are narcissistic bastards. Right? But none of them recognize it. And when none of them give any sight of doing so, he actually kind of mutters to himself under his breath, like, it's disappointing. And then he's like, why are you here? I wouldn't expect to find you here. And they're like, we're going to Camelin. Uh We stopped here for the night. Uh, <laughs> and, he's, and, and Matt's like, have you found any treasure? And he's like, I have. Um... More than I expected. Much more. More than I can carry away. I never expected to find three strong, healthy, young men. If you will help me move what I can take to where my horses are, you may each have a share of the rest. As much as you can carry. Whatever I leave behind will be gone, carried off by some other treasure hunter before I can return for it. I I I it's so it's so shady. <laughs> it's just I'm sorry for reading so long out of the book there, but it's so shady and I don't who would follow him in? Okay, it's Matt who follows them in and they kind of have to follow. Matt follows the shady man named More Death into the shadowy interior without hesitation. That brat. And, of course, Rand and Perrin, the responsible, stable ones, are like, well, we can't actually leave him, and we gotta make sure he's okay. So they both put a hand on their weapons for comfort and follow him in. And it's just... God damn it, Matt. <laughs> this is not the stuff that helps me out. When first-time readers are going through the series, and then they look at you and they're like... You said, um, Matt was your favorite character? Really? And I'd be like, well, yeah, but... Well, yeah, and he's like, well, I'm on book two, and now I'm on book three. and No, I'm on book two, right? And he's like, I can't get into it. Like, Just one more book. I don't really know if I want to. Just one more book. Uh, he's not going to be that great. He is! It's just... It's very frustrating when he does stuff like this. 
because he makes you so mad. All of them. Rand and Matt and... You know what? Perrin's fine. Perrin's doing fine other than being a little bit of a bastard to Matt earlier. I... I just... I'm lost for words. And Mordith takes the lead with a not at all creepy, come, come, I'll show you where the treasure is. Yeah, because that's how... That's how that goes. And nothing bad will happen at all. <laughs> oh, Mordith is a... Okay. You know what? I think I know why Baalzaman left. Uh, I forgot how just awful he was. So he takes a narrow spiral staircase down, 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 until there was no light at all. And they were getting a little nervous, but it didn't seem to bother the scary little bald man, did it? No. Uh, and eventually they come out into a dimly lit room with smoky torches and enormous heaps of treasure waist high. Like, this is ridiculous. And in the room, Rand finally gets his first description of Mordeth. Um, where is it? Mordeth was a sleek, somewhat overfed man with drooping eyelids that made him seem to be hiding behind something and staring. Short and completely bald, he walked as if he were taller than any of them. His clothes were certainly like nothing Rand had ever seen before. Tight black breeches and soft red boots with the tops turned down at his ankles and a long red vest thickly embroidered with gold and a snowy white shirt with wide sleeves, the points of his cuffs hanging almost to his knees, and certainly not the kind of clothes in which to hunt through for ruined city for treasure. It just... It, it, it doesn't... I'm just going to have to let it go because I'm just getting caught up on why they're here instead of just... Rolling with the punches. The wee, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills, right, guys? I think I need to get into that mentality here. Uh, I really like, and in, in, in doing so, I really like the different ways all three boys reacted to the treasure. It's very telling for their characters, right? Matt practically dove into one of the piles with a cry, right? Completely overwhelmed. Money and treasure will always be important to Matt, but the way he is in the later books, he would never be overcome in this way again. Not after the consequences this time around. And uh, Perrin examined the pile and drew out an axe. Something practical. Gem-encrusted, engraved with gold, yes, but still something that can be used, not just worn or spent or put on a shelf to look pretty, right? I love the way he tosses the golden chains or necklaces that have gotten tangled around the axe because to Perrin, who cares? I don't even think Fayil really cares about that stuff unless they have to make, you know, some sort of impression. But in the casual day-to-day... She didn't really seem to miss it, you know? Not really something I saw in her character. And also, after Savannah? If she was all into gold and jewelry before, she's not anymore. <laughs> and lastly, Rand. Oh, Rand. 
He looks at all of this money, and he doesn't celebrate the treasure or even reach out to touch it. He just looks at the sheer volume of riches, enough that he thought all the gold in the whole two river has or sees in a year wouldn't match the thousandth part of any one of these careless heaps of wealth. And he just looks at it helplessly and says it's just too much. How much time or energy or help would they need to even clear some of it away? Poor Rand really does have a hard lot in life going forward. But hey, um, he becomes a king. How many times over? He builds schools that will be remembered. And he has like three awesome, smart, not to mention beautiful ladies who all love him back. So... Cry me a river, Rand. Your life is hard, and the way you looked at the muddy already proves that you're overcomplicating things. It's just sad. It's just sad. He's just... That's that's just how they all are. Matt Matt dives in head first. Perrin looks for the practical, and Rand's just like, God, I have so much shit to do. <laughs> I don't know if I made myself clear. And now I think I'm rambling. Oh... I hope this podcast is good for you people because uh, I'm like halfway through notes for this one and then I have to do the next one. <laughs> yeah, Rand and Perrin both agree it's too much. So much that they might have to wait and help him tomorrow. Besides, once they tell the others, they'll definitely be happy to help. But this is when Mordeth finally speaks. You see, he let them just rush past and look around and just stood around in half shadow. You know, like how normal, totally not creepy evil ghosts do. Not weird at all. Uh, but at hearing that there were more people, uh, he gets a bit suspicious. And he's like, you are not alone. And Matt, totally drunk on the treasure, doesn't think before he talks like the Gleeman, the Warder, the Aes Sedai, his friends, and myself have repeatedly warned him. Yeah, he says Moraine, Land, and Nynaeve, and Egwene, they're all going to Tar Valen. Now, upon hearing this, it's not a huge surprise to find that the totally not creepy, obviously not a ghost man whose name is More Death, is unhappy to hear this. I honestly do not know if Shattered Log Logoth formerly had a spat with the Aes Sedai, or it's just like the evil, uh, I mean the honest and generous treasure hunter that is Mordith, doesn't want an Aes Sedai to interfere with his schemes, I mean totally on the up and up jobs. I can't keep this up any longer. Think the light, he explodes now and loses his temper, and seriously, how did our trio not pick up on the foolishness of their decisions sooner. They're all dumbasses. That's just it. They need to go out and get some life experience because if they don't start picking up on some common sense soon, I I'm seriously going to lose my goddamn mind. It's just... Oh, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. Just, just to remember it. Anyways, more death goes nuts and it's... So awesome, uh, 
You know, that's kind of what I use as my clip of the day. <laughs> so if you haven't listened to the audiobooks yet, you now know how creepy they do it there. <laughs> Mordeth slips into a visible rage. Teeth clenched, lips pulled back into a snarl, fist clenched, and shaking in your direction kind of angry. You know what I mean? He just wants to rip your head off. He's all, Tarvalin, you said you're going to this, to this Camelin. You lied to me. And I love how Perrin's just done. He's just, he's just like, if you want us to help you tomorrow, while slowly lowering the gemmed axe back onto the pile of treasure, if you want, we'll help you out. He's taking no chances here. Maybe he's acting the way he would dealing with a... Drunk, angry, red-faced Coplin. I don't know. See? See right there? Their bigotry is so ingrained that they have me saying it now. This is ridiculous. I don't know why I just went immediately to a Coplin. That's just not fair. Uh, um, but more that's fighting himself, you know? He's panting and shaking and, it, you know, shaking his head back and forth. Like, no, no, it's fine. Except, except, you know, all the while so hard trying... I can't even speak. All the while he's trying so hard to switch his tone from foaming at the mouth, mad as a hatter, evil, to greasy car salesman. I wouldn't trick you. I'm your pal, the generous treasure hunter guy. But it's not really working. And then Rand zeroes in on what's really been bothering him about the Mordith. You know? What's really been bothering him. The one singular scary thing about this guy. He's got no shadow. <laughs> and this leads to our clip of the day. And Mordith's like, yeah. Can't do anything else now. It's decided. And he expands like a balloon until he filled like half the room and he'd sent like one monstrous hand reaching for the boys as they shouted and threw themselves backwards into the gold and jewels and everything. But as suddenly as it appeared, the giant form vanished and Rand almost sobbing finally yanks his sword free and in his because, you know, in his panic, it gotten all tangled up in his cloak and he couldn't remove it and... Oh, man. Perrin had his axe out. Matt had a dagger he had snatched from the pile. The, 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 the dagger. I... They looked around with wide eyes until a mad, agonized scream and crying pulled their attention to Mordith wedged in a corner, his face in his knees and he's like rocking back and forth and ragged sob and he's like just screaming that they're all dead dad dad and then he like leaps out and stretches out and thins into a tendril of smoke that kind of probably is part of mashadar now that i think about it uh before disappearing into a crack in the wall tiles with a final you are all dead but again clip of the day but it's still creepy as all hell it's Wow. I just... Wow. Um, like, I get that they're scared. All three are terrified. Matt's yelling they've been tricked. And Perrin... Oh, Perrin and Rand clearly just want to go. But Matt doesn't want to go. Because he doesn't want to abandon the treasure. 
and Matt and Perrin are having, Rand and Perrin are having none of this. And Perrin announces that they don't want any of this treasure, raising his voice to the walls. You can keep it. It's yours. We don't want it. And they both glared at Matt as he just soundlessly gestured to all the just riches around him. And then they're like, no. And they each take an arm and drag him away. And poor Matt he just doesn't want to go. And I'm just like, it, I, I, I can and can't understand this scenario because I don't think I'd go murderous nuts or, you know helplessly, you know, overcome by greed. I don't think I would. I'd be like, oh, that's cool. Maybe I could slip a few in my pocket. But in the end, that would prove bad, too, because, you know, cursed by Shatter Loveth. So, I just don't get why Matt's crazy about it. It's just not something I can understand. But uh, he just wanted some of that money. He doesn't want to go home and milk his da's cows anymore. <laughs> but about ten steps down the hall... The light began to fail, you see, because that's because the torches in the treasure room were going out. And they didn't have to drag Matt any longer. He ran as quickly as them as they rushed for the exit with the darkening closing in behind them. And it's just darkness closing in behind him. Did it say darking? What the hell does darking mean? Wow. So yeah, they're running and running, and all they can think to do is shout in the darkness in hopes of warding off whatever may be lurking out there and to remind themselves they're still alive. They are just scared, okay? They saw a ghost, and it expanded, and they're just not dealing with it well. Uh, I suppose it really is a good thing that they did run out so quickly. I mean, who knows what terrifying things you could meet in the dark of Shadar Logoth. Uh, we only ever see Mashadar, but I always think that, you know, there's other things in there. We just haven't seen them. Or, like, that, you know, there's other ghosts other than Mordeth and stuff like that. I don't know. Uh, it's just scary. I mean, what are those Watchers, right? Uh, we haven't got there yet. <laughs> they tumbled down and fell into a bruised pile in the street. Uh, Rand untangled himself and picked up Tam's sword, and he was looking over at the horizon, and the sun was low. And, uh, they're like, okay, we gotta get home. We gotta get back now. I don't know why he said home. And Matt's like, well, yeah, at least we got out of it. At least I... At least I what, Matt? Still have the dagger? I'd tell you to go drop it or throw it back into the building, but who knows how much of it has to do with your luck power. I mean, ugh. even more how, would how it would affect Tarman Gaiden if you threw it back. It's, I, do, I want you to, but... <sighs> Perrin doesn't think they're safe, though. They could feel watching eyes from all the buildings around them. That's what I meant, the Watchers. I really think there's other ghosts than Mordith, but... I don't know, maybe even Mordith can't do anything but possess them or scare them or drive them nuts. I don't, I don't know. Um, I, I, I think the only thing that can kill in Shadar Logoth is Mashadar, but I'm not sure. Maybe everything else just drives you crazy. I like how Rand recognizes he's the main character here and gives the others orders because they're all scared and not really doing anything. He's like, we stay in the middle of the street. 
we stay out of shadows as much as we can, and we walk fast. <laughs> and Matt's like, walk very fast. <laughs> At least he's got a bit of sense back. We need to get back, man. We need to get away from this craziness. Uh, Rand felt the eyes following them, or was it just that there were more eyes for the watching? And he didn't know what was worse. Countless eyes watching him in some sort of dark anticipation, or just a few following them with dark intentions. <laughs> they ran through any shadows they came across uh, their path and shouted loudly as they ran through the shadows to scare away whatever may be lurking there, too. Uh, I know I may laugh a lot during this podcast and uh, poke fun where it doesn't necessarily need to be had, but these moments, they're honestly a bit tense. Whatever this place was, it's dangerous, and the boys finally know that now, and they want to get safe. So when they reached the white building, which was their camp, within, like, steps, uh, at one point the eyes were there, and then the eyes were gone. And then they just kept going into the building. And what they didn't know is that was Moraine's warding, and I kind of like it. They all kind of pry to push through the door at once, like they did fleeing the uh, building earlier from Mordeth. And they all fall in together, too, <laughs> which I love. Um, and I love all the reactions here, too. Egwene is startled, but tries to give them a dirty look anyways, and she doesn't really pull it off because she was so startled. Tom's still smoking his pipe, and he just looks at them for a second and calls them fools. And Moraine loses a white-knuckled grip on her skirts. Even though she was outwardly calm, she had obviously been a bit worried. And finally, my gal Nynaeve who'd been worried sick. Oh, yes. She is bristling from head to toe. Um, her eyes are glittering with rage. There's spots of colors in her uh, in her cheeks. And just, she just starts in on them at once, and it's glorious. She's like, you wool-headed witlings. Oh, you just wait, you son of a... <laughs> I just love it so much. Uh, and then she's all looking for, uh, uh, she's all like, lands out there looking for you, and you wait till he gets back. And if he, if he gives you each a thump for being dumbasses, I guess you got off lucky. Huh. <sighs> this reminds me of my road trip dad joke from the last episode. And Maureen's just kind of, and, and, and Nynaeve kind of just got a, you wait till your father gets home attitude. It's, yikes. Um, Moraine's all cool, though. Ice and I serenity through and through. And she takes charge. Um, she's like, hush wisdom, at least they're back. What has happened to you three from how you're acting? Obviously something's up. And Matt's all, you said it was safe. You said this place was an ally of Manetherin, and Trollocs wouldn't be, would be too scared to come in, but no. And Moraine's just like there in a second. Trollocs, you have seen Trollocs inside the walls? Are you sure? And, and Moraine's like, no. But we definitely saw some other shit, though. And then all three boys just start yapping 
all at once, you know? They're all about the things they thought were the most important, and the story was horribly disjointed, and no one was telling anything in the proper order, and they're all shouting over each other and blurting out whatever came to mind. The story was completely incoherent. Matt wanted to start talking about the treasure. Perrin began with why they'd left in the first place, while Red was like, yeah, okay, that's all scary, but this Mordith guy? Not a fan. And then the Watchers. They're all babbling about the Watchers. Uh, <laughs> now, while Moraine might have been a little alarmed at the idea of Trollocs, it was nothing. And I mean nothing compared to the reaction she had at hearing the name Mordith. She had been, like, more or less unconcerned with their ramblings until, with the hiss, she reached out and grabbed, grabbed Rand tightly by the elbow. And she's like, Mordith, you met a man named Mordith. Are you sure? Absolutely sure. Be very sure about the name. And they all nod with a murmur. Yes, we, we, we're sure it's Mordith. Did he touch you? She asked. Did you do anything for him, or did he give you anything? And again, they're all like, no... None of those things. Almost, but no. <laughs> and I just want to see her going, <clears throat> Matt, gonna say anything there, buddy? No? Just gonna keep the dagger after hearing all of this. Okay, just checking in. <laughs> you know, it's just... Oh, it's, it's, it's frustrating, but I guess, you know, the wheel weaves as the wheel wills. We're just gonna keep... That's gonna be our new mantra. <laughs> Perrin is like, he swelled up to the size of a room and tried to kill us. Isn't that enough? And then he just vanished. And Perrin moved his arm to demonstrate. Like smoke. <laughs> Perrin. Oh. By the way, this made Egwene let out a little squeak of terror. And keep that in mind, folks, because we don't, we don't get to hear that very often. Uh, before too long, Egwene's going to be too hard for, for fear, or at least to let fear show. Uh, but Matt's being petulant. He's like, safe, you said. We were gonna be fine. Ooh, but Moraine's like, dumbasses. If you hadn't gone running off without a thought in your head before I could explain it to you, this wouldn't have happened. Only idiots who don't think and would just run off to explore a place that Trollocs are afraid to enter, and Nynaeve just brings it home with a, yeah, it's probably Matt's doing. He never had much sense, and the other seems to lose what little they have whenever he's around. <laughs> oh, man, Nynaeve is harsh sometimes. Not untrue. Not lying. But harsh. I love Nynaeve. You know, though, her Matt's doing does have, like, a, a place in truth. I don't know, at least from my personal experience... You take someone who's been, let's say, acting as what you would call mature, okay? They're, 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 they've got their life together, they're, they're getting shit done, right? But then, suddenly, their, like, best friend comes to visit, right? And then, all of a sudden, this guy who has maybe possibly even a doctorate is sitting with his best buddy on the couch... And fart jokes might be funny. And then you add in, like, another sibling or another very old friend, and you have them all three together, and the maturity can really drop to 12 to 13 years old. It doesn't matter who you are. You can sometimes regress when you're around these people. And it just comes to seem 
like that's what happens with Rand and Perrin with Matt. Like he he, he kind of makes them less reactionary. And I'm just saying that's a thing. Like like you know, I've experienced this in real life. But when it comes to Matt here in the books, it's just that he's the most proactive character among them right now. Rand and Perrin right now are just kind of reactionary characters. You know, they have to really struggle before they make a decision, okay? The story happens to them, and they act accordingly. But Matt's just trying to stir up the pot every once in a while and take the story in his own direction for a while. And maybe the three Taviran would have been doomed to failure if this incident hadn't occurred, if Matt never got the dagger. You know, who knows? And I just find it interesting, but I also find it frustrating. And I just, <laughs> uh, if the if the the potential for error and danger wasn't so high, I would have been so much better with their outing. <laughs> uh, Maureen actually decides to explain to them now that Arid Hall kind of stopped being Arid Hall a long time ago, and that was back towards the end of the Trolloc Wars, uh, an army of the Shadow camped in the city. And when the army, army simply disappeared, they sent out scouts to discover what had happened. This isn't when they changed. This was just a while back. Arad Hall was a mess of blood and broken bits of weapon and armor when the scouts showed up to figure out what was going on. Trolloc script had been scrawled on the walls in blood, prayers to their master to save them, and men who came even later found nothing at all, and that the blood and the messages had been scoured away. But Trollocs and Halfmen remember still, and fear to enter this place. And that's why Trollocs and Murdahl children do not enter Shadar Logoth unless they absolutely, positively have to. Um, and Rand's like, this is where you picked for us to hide? Like, really? We could have been safer out there running for the Trollocs. Which, it's only more dangerous at night if you think about it, dude. And if you hadn't gone running off... Moraine says that they would have known... She had set wards to protect them from the evil of Shagger, Shatter Logoth. Wards that a half-man wouldn't been able to detect until they were standing on top of it. Because the ward wards off a different evil. <laughs> yeah. um, and Egwene proves they only half-listen when Egwene also questions the name. Saying she thought this place was called, Ar called Arad Hall. Forgetting... That she named the city both ways while entering the ruins of the damned city. But no one. All they heard was Arid Hall, Manetherin. They're like, mm, you know what? Shatter Logan sounds unpleasant. And we're going to forget that shit now because we're under a lot of pressure. Like, that's what it feels like to me. None of them are remembering Shatter Logan. It's all Arid Hall. <sighs> and she explains to them. At one point during the Trolloc Wars, well before the army camped in its ruin... But Alzaman was kicking ass, all right, and all the people were losing hope, and that is a man when a man named Mordeth came to Arid Hall, and the boys were all like, "What? The same man? Impossible!" But she just silences them with a look, like, "I've got. You want to hear or not? Like, you can shut up now." And they're like, "Okay." <laughs> she explains how the man soon got the king's ear, 
and became his closest advisor, practically second in command for the whole kingdom. And he sort of went with the idea of fight fire with fire and proceeds to royally ruin the entire people of Arid Hall themselves. Um, <laughs> as time passed, when the men of Arid Hall marched to battle, people, well, let's just say people started to say better to see Trollocs than the men of Arid Hall, and that, that can't be a good thing, you know? The victory of the light is all. That's the battle cry Mordeth gave them, and they shouted it as their deeds abandoned the light. Oh, man. Oh, it's really kind of a bummer. It's <laughs> it's not a great story. You're like, oh, great. I love hearing about more people turning to the shadow. Oh, she goes on to say that the story is too long for her to tell now. And that, anyways, the story is fragmented and much of it is lost. But then she goes on to tease it with mentions of this Prince of Melnetherin who tried to win back the city for the light, only to be end up imprisoned and escaped with, that, with like only one hand and fled to the borderlands with Mordith's unnatural assassins on his heels, <sighs> only to meet and marry a woman who was like doomed to kill him and then take her life in his tomb. It's really not fair that the companion doesn't even have much on it either. I looked up Shatter Logoth. I looked up like Alcar, whatever his name is, Alcar Althorin. I looked up like the lady that, you know, kills him and I'm just I'm just not seeing much. And it's a tease. It's a tease. <laughs> Some people want side story books on like Tam during the Isle War. That sounds fun. Or Jane Farstrider's Adventures, published for us all at last. That sounds amazing. But to me, this adventure of the doomed Prince of Benetherin sounds pretty interesting too. And sometimes I'd wish Harriet MacDougall and Brendan Sanderson would just get together and consider bringing us some of these stories. But I just don't think it's ever going to happen because I have heard that Brandon Sanderson said in, like, an interview at one point that um, they didn't want to feel like they were cashing in on Robert Jordan's legacy by writing all these side stories to the world he created, which I can understand and respect, but doesn't take out the desire to read these stories either or just make me mad that, like, I got teased with some interesting shit. <laughs> and then they're like, anyways... Uh, here's the basics. <laughs> I'm like, oh, come on. Uh, yeah, sorry people, back to the plot. So Moraine goes on to say that eventually the evil spread into the very bedrocks of this place. And then that, and that at one point, when a Minethrin army appeared to avenge the Prince Alcar, they found a torn down gate and a nearly abandoned city. All except Mordeth and Mashadar. The evil that had consumed Arid Hall so much that, like, there was nothing left. Mar Mordeth? Mashadar. Empty city. And it was, like, bigger than Camelot. It just... <sighs> that was bad. It's just bad. So, they renamed the city Shadar Logith. The place where the shadow waits. Or more simply, Shadows Waiting, which I really like. It's, it's, it's kind of 
Cool, actually. Um, and title drop. Cool. Chapter title drop. Um, she says that Mordeth still resides here, and he has apparently tainted the minds of travelers or explorers with gifts, and that if he was ever able to convince someone to accompany himself to the walls, he could take their body and leave this place to spread his evil in the world again. <laughs> this kind of makes me wonder, how has he not accomplished it before? Just saying, it's just have there not been a lot of people or that he only ever imagined, managed to do gifts? I, I just, I, it just seems like someone as clever as Mordeth would have accomplished it sooner, right? Just saying. Uh, Perrin's like, oh, okay, so that's why he wanted us to help him move some treasure. I bet his horses were somewhere just outside the city walls. Yikes, close call. <laughs> and Matt's like, it's okay. We're safe now, right? You made it safe. Uh, plus, he didn't give us anything or touch us, so we're good, right? Which still leaves me wanting to yell, I notice you don't mention taking stuff, right, Matt? Just don't. <sighs> Moraine agrees that they're all fine and that they'll leave in the morning as these things hide from the light of day. They don't like it. So with that, she tells them to get some sleep and wait for Lan to come back, which... I wouldn't sleep well after experiencing Shatter Logoth and then hearing this tale. Uh, I just, I wouldn't be so restful, you know? But again, like an hour of sleep the night before. So I'm surprised they were able to do much as much exploring as they did, you know? Um, Nynaeve's still a bit concerned, though, that Lan hasn't come back yet. And the Aes Sedai comforts her while, like, spreading out her blankets. She's like, Lan will be Fine. He was pledged to fight the shadow with a sword placed in his infant hands. <laughs> so she also says she would know if something was wrong and if he died. She'd know the way of it just like he would her. Which is the first, I think, mention of uh, a little bit more about the water bond. I don't think they knew this before. Uh, but she kind of did glance at the door like she was wondering where the hell Lan was too. And why he wasn't back there yet, she could probably feel him out there concentrating. And she's like, well, they're back. What are you What are you waiting for? So they laid down to go to sleep. Creepy city or not, you know, they haven't slept much. So they pass out. But Rand still kind of sleeps poorly, though. And at last is awoken from a fitful sleep, uh, but not sure what woke him. He suddenly felt the wards weren't enough couldn't be enough. I love how this is probably his first inkling of being able to sense shadow spawn. I really do. Because he can channel. But of course it's so faint and he can't even sense the source consciously, so he's just all confused about it. Like, why, why am I awake? Why do I feel uncomfortable? Why do I feel danger? Um, and then Lan slinks into the room, silent and cool and awesome, and Moraine sits up like this. It's described like he had rung a bell in her head or something. Uh, so she probably sensed his alertness or something. Uh, yeah, his emotions, I think that's what it was. And he just drops some Trolloc badges at her feet and says, there's Trollocs inside the walls. And not only that, these are Duval, which are apparently one of, like, the worst tribes of Trollocs. And Maureen is calm and collected and asking simple questions, like how many, how close, and all that stuff. 
Uh, and Land says it's just one fist being driven by the remaining Murdral. So, a hundred Trollocs and, like, four Murdral. That's, yeah. All terrified and jumping at shadows. So scared they're, real, they're ready to kill anything that moves, including each other. I like how he says that they're so sloppy and they're so afraid that they're screwing up that he really didn't think they'd have to be worried about it other than the fact that they were headed straight for them. Huh, I wonder if they have, like, a specific hound leading the chase. Oh, pot on Fane, you suck. Land went around waking everybody up while he continued speaking to the Aes Sedai about all this stuff. But I like his last point here. He's like, you know, she's like, what's bothering you, my guy Dean? And he's like, well, there's one thing. If the Murdral drove the Trollocs in, who drove the Murdral? Which has, you know, this terrifies Egwene. And she's like, oh no, the Dark One! And Nynaeve shouts her down with the whole, Don't be foolish! The Dark One and all of the Forsaken are bounded Shale Ghoul by the Creator before the before time, blah blah blah, all that bullshit. And I love also love how Moraine doesn't even have time for it. She's like, yeah, yeah, close enough, let's just keep moving. She doesn't correct it. Uh, we gotta try to get across the river. Hopefully we can hail a trade boat or something. If not... Now that she's rested and has had some of the Wisdom's herbs, she's strong enough to carry out her earlier plan, which is to make a small ward to hold off the Shadow Spawn while they made a raft across the river. And the Emmons Fielders are just blanking looking at her like, what? What? Why are you talking about the river so much? And Land's like, oh, calm down, kids. It's, it, you know, half men and Trollocs hate deep water. And especially running water. They'd have to push the Trollocs practically as hard to make rafts as they did to enter the city. And hopefully they would make them poorly enough that most of them would drown anyways. But hey, we can't hope for anything. We'll be far away by then. And Rand's like, so once we get across the river, we're safe. And the warder's like, yep, mostly for a little while. Probably not. <laughs> I love it. Like, no, he kind of goes, we'll be better off there. But, like, that, that's, that's really kind of how it is, you know. Yeah, for a little bit. <laughs> uh, with that, it's time to go. I've finished up. Um, <laughs> I've got another podcast to record here very shortly. That's the end of the chapter, guys. Um, and it's good, right? Like, I've been nitpicky, but I'm just frustrated about the decisions our characters are making here and I just uh, you know what no wonder Moraine said it all the time no wonder where the wheel weaves is the wheel wills was her catchphrase otherwise these boys would drive her nuts <laughs> it's just crazy um I hope you enjoyed this podcast uh, I'll have another one out fairly soon um today in fact or tonight or hopefully not tomorrow it's gonna take a while to render and record the next one too <laughs> anyways um if you guys want to check out the patreon uh if you want to tell me anything if you want to have any advice uh if you want to give me any criticism if you just want to say hey what's up you can send any of that to the gleeman radio on twitter or uh gleamingradio at gmail.com or you know the comment section of wherever you are 
Uh, hit a like if it's available. It would really help me out. And post a reviews on uh, Apple Podcast or iTunes, guys, because I can see that a majority of my listeners are from there. And the, you know, the more reviews I get, you know, the more people to see the content. So it would really help me out if you could just put something down and be like, "He's okay." <laughs> Look, three stars. He's fine. <laughs> Anyways, uh, take care, guys. Peace out. Bye.